You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Chris, my friend, isn't it interesting, on last week's show, you and I were talking about the recent appearance from Andrew Colvin, the author of The Mothman Speaks and The Paracast, and we said there were no messages in our forums within hours, as I mentioned in an update to the show that well, you'll be hearing. Well, that minutes. I, I couldn't believe it. Next time I, I went into the forum.theparacast.com, there was a thread. Yes, and some critical, some not so critical, but Andy Colvin is in there, and he's punching away. He is being very forthright about his opinions and about his reasons behind his opinions. So it's a really fascinating presentation. But sometimes it's delayed reaction. I invite all our listeners to tune in. Forum.theparacast.com And I know there's going to be a lot of response to this one. We've already had listeners asking questions of our guest, Peter Robbins, who's an investigative writer known for his connection with the UFO field. He's a founding member and advisory board member of the Intruders Foundation, which, of course, was run by the late Bud Hopkins. And we've had him on the show in connection with that book he did called Left at Eastgate, which covers Rendlesham Forest. And we'll get into more about Rendlesham Forest later on the show. What we know today maybe has any of the information that's been released by the Ministry of Defense in the U.K. Has that helped us learn more about Rendlesham? But now let's talk about Bud Hopkins. And as I said in the brief eulogy I did, I didn't know Bud all that well. Never met him, talked to him on the phone a couple of times, had some email exchanges. Always a gentleman, really pleasant guy. Tell us about Bud Hopkins, Peter Robbins, and how you came to know him. Well, good to be back on the show, guys, although a bit somber this time around. Um, Bud passed away on uh, August 21st finally succumbing to uh, uh, liver cancer on top of other health complications and those of us that uh, knew him and loved him miss him very much. I guess, in a way, um, I'm one of the most fortunate people because we were friends for such a long time and he was a an esteemed colleague, uh, a mentor. Uh, I worked for the foundation actually at one specific point when uh, they were able to pay me $8 an hour and then for many years as a volunteer. So basically you're getting the same salary as all those people they've added to the employment roles in Texas. Well, exactly. But I chose <laughs> to work at that rate <laughs> because it was an honor and a privilege and I was making a little doing some other things. Also, I guess our, our biggest connection besides the obvious is that uh, we met when we were both painters. Um, my career was kind of eclipsed um, by working in theater management and going on to, I guess, what I'm best known for as a writer. And we first met in early 1976, 35 years ago. The circumstances, and this could fill a whole show, so I'll do it as lively as I can. The year before, a series of events triggered the return of what I can only describe as a repressed memory from childhood, something I simply had not been able to uh, address when I was 14 years old and managed to jam back in my subconscious. And 14 and a half years later, it came roaring back. And what it was was a, a memory of an extraordinarily um, clear uh, UFO sighting um, over the house my uh, family lived in at the time on Long Island, New York, with uh, my sister Helen. And um, 
after discussing it with her and being very careful not to tell her what I remembered, but just setting the scene and her coming back with the details that I remembered, she then began to tell me about associated memories she had with what we would now um, say was a classic UFO abduction uh, encounter. This was 1975, however, and this was completely new to me, and it was very shocking. Um, my sister was a, an honest and decent person and certainly not a liar, and where these details could have come from then was quite minimal. In any case, to cut to the chase, I, uh, my life changed overnight, and I wanted very much to know what had happened to my sister, as did she, and um, overnight began to acquire and read books on the subject, um, not very interested in meeting people associated with it, figured they were all out of their mind. Any adults involved with the subject like UFOs would have to be. And then some, the, you know, some months in, earlier uh, the following year, I read an article in New York's Village Voice, not known for its UFO coverage. But it was an article on, I think, what MUFON um, regarded as the best case of the year for 1975. It was really well written, unlike any of the articles I had seen in the previous months in publications like the National Enquirer. And it was written by a New Yorker named Bud Hopkins, who happened to be a painter and whose work I had seen some time before at a gallery. And I, I found him in the phone book and cold called him. We chatted a bit. He invited me over. And this was, gosh, five years before the publication of his first book, Missing Time. So by the time that happened, our friendship was fairly well established. And from there, on and off over the decades, uh, I worked with him in any number of ways. But um, we remained very good friends even in the last years that we weren't working actively together. I still was a regular uh, contributor to the Intruders Foundation. And right now... We, the advisory board, are gearing up for our first meeting uh, next month without Bud um, to uh, make some decisions about the future of this important foundation. Now, looking over the Intruders Foundation very briefly, is this kind of a support center for abductees or people who feel they might have been abducted? You know, its, in, its goals were multiple. Um, one was, yes, to be there in any possible sense of the word for people who felt they had been through this experience, many hundreds of whom Bud worked with very closely over the years and decades. Um, for the first years, and I, I hard-pressed to tell you how many years, Bud developed and, and we followed up with uh, many, many support group meetings. Um, after a fashion, the number of people who wanted to be involved and who legitimately should have been was too big, so we broke it up into a number of support group meetings, occasionally with the absolute uh, agreement of everybody that would be involved. A guest mental health professional might be along or another specific guest. Everything always remained confidential. This is in no way an attempt to do therapy, something, a word that's very loaded and often tossed into this. Um, support group meetings are just that. It was the foundation also has endeavored to research and investigate this and to educate the public as much as possible. Intrudersfoundation.org is the website. There's a smattering of uh, uh, articles on there right now, but 
I'm hoping that one of the things that will happen is it's almost hard to explain how prolific Bud was as a writer and an extraordinarily good one at that. And there are so many papers and letters and monographs and responses that he did wrote that are worthy uh, of publication and for people to see that that may be part of what we do in the future. We've also run for many years now uh, a very successful lecture series in New York City. Uh, which we hope to get up and running again uh, once the dust settles again as well. Now, over the years, with all these investigations about people who claim to have been abducted, is there any singular threat or do you find all sorts of different answers or possibilities depending on an individual's own experience? Great question. Um, For me, I'm only 35 years into the subject, so what do I know? I know that what we're dealing with is um, phenomenally elusive and at the same time that there is now such a powerful database uh, built on very real cases and many of them although many folks in the public have no idea are not only uh, have contributing very physical evidences uh, in terms of documented like a little scoop mark of of, uh, epidermal tissue that is taken immediately cauterizes and it often is associated with when little Billy went missing from the 4th of July picnic through to um, this implant phenomena, these very foreign bodies that are uh, found subcutaneously in the skin and in places you wouldn't even believe sometimes, a number of which have been extracted and analyzed and multiple witnessed UFO abduction incidents. The best known of which is um, witnessed the true story of the Brooklyn Bridge UFO abductions by Hopkins. I want to get into a lot more of that with Peter Robbins. You're talking with Gene and Chris on The Paracast. I've got to tell you about this. Go to meeting by Citrix. The way I meet online with my colleagues has just added high definition group video conferencing. It's called Go to Meeting with HD Faces. Now you can collaborate with anyone around the world face to face. And I've used Go to Meeting HD Faces because it's awesome. You see the facial expressions, and that can express so much more than words. Of course, the video quality is so clear and natural, it's got the highest resolution in the industry. Nothing compares. Go to Meeting. Meeting with HD Faces will make your online meetings even more personal, engaging, and effective. Plus, it's so easy to use. All you need is an internet connection and a webcam. I want you to try GoToMeeting with HD Faces. My listeners can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. The promo code is PODCAST at GoToMeeting.com. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, Subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. 
Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop. Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids. Made of USDA and FDA approved food grade plastic, Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single use throwaways that contain BPA, but Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion. Fit standard mason jars and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted-down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S., unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins. Toxins and heavy metals boost energy levels and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. We're back. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. The guest is Peter Robbins. We're talking about the work of Bud Hopkins about UFO abductions. Maybe let's do a little bit of myth shattering here. This could be fast answers or short answers, but Mm. something to help people understand the abduction scenario, what it means. Sure. Okay, so yes or no. Are all or most abductions things that are ascertained through hypnotic regression? Absolutely not. Uh, Most of them are either remembered almost entirely intact, very much intact, or enough pieces that the individual has put it together themselves. Okay. Of the cases that use hypnotic regression, has work been done to assess the value of regression, there's some controversy over that as to whether the act of trying to make someone remember a past event may have its own complications or may not even yield accurate information. Mm. This is indeed considered very controversial in a number of areas of study. First thing to remember here is the intention of the individual involved, their character, uh, their motivation, and the participation of the individual as well. What is put forward by debunkers and the skeptics community 
is that weak-minded people are seduced into or somehow find their way to charlatans like Hopkins and others who for some incredibly neurotic uh, reason have this compulsion to convince people that they have been abducted by other intelligences. As trained hypnotists or hypnotherapists or regression specialists, they are then put under and led into having false memories put in their head to confirm this entirely specious nonsense for these crazy people like Hopkins. These things for me would be funny if they weren't so insulting. I'm not saying that there aren't unprincipled people that have used this experience extraordinarily interesting and often very valuable tool, which, again, when, when applied to this subject, let's just call it the most controversial subject in the world, and, you know, we're right up there with them. The mantra for a lot of thinking people, decent people who, you know, are open-minded and the like, is this can't be. Therefore, it isn't. Therefore, it's something else. Now, what can the other things be? Well, you're mentally ill. You want to feel special. You get a kick out of fooling people or embarrassing them. You are uh, somebody who wants to be on the Oprah show. You're a uh, disinformation agent of some kind, etc., etc. And Dr. Wilhelm Reich has a wonderful phrase called evasion of the obvious, and there are certain cases and I would challenge anybody to read uh, witnessed, for example, or intruders and find, you know, fault in the methodology, the research, or the evidences presented. Uh, hypnotic regression, and I, I have to tell you here, and I am on record with this, I was a witness to many regressions that were conducted over the years, specifically because I was requested to by a witness who might have developed a rapport with me or by Bud with the consent of the witness. Hopkins would take up to half an hour to put people under. I know this from my another mentor, uh, the late uh, Pete Mazzola, a tough, no-nonsense New York City police detective who was also a crack UFO investigator who was so respected by NYPD that they allowed him to use their voice stress analysis technology at John Jay College of Criminal Justice uptown to run first-generation audio cassettes through of, of people in regression for UFO abduction or witnesses two cases. When you lead, you lead away the same way that in a polygraph, you are asked, you know, if you're wearing a white shirt, are you wearing a white shirt? Yes. And then you're instructed to answer incorrectly. Are you wearing a blue shirt? Yes. They get a calibration and they go forward from there. So how would you do this under regression? Uh, how well, would you determine the accuracy of what the person is remembering? Very simple. If they've come in um, with a series of memories or partial memories you've established within a serious professional interview or perhaps two, you are working with whatever given information you have. You never lead. You set the scene. You are never suggestive. Let me re restate that. If you are ever going to ask a leading question, it is always a way from the answer that would be the positive answer. So In basically words, you're trying to persuade them to say something other than what they want to say. Just so. Just okay. So that, that says it well. Okay. So basically saying, well, okay, so the object was square shaped. No, no, no. It was really round shaped or the alien had gray hair. No, he had no hair, whatever. Now, let me give you an example of okay. the opposite, um, and this is important. Several years back, I was approached by a gentleman through a colleague in the United Kingdom with a very responsible uh, job in law enforcement 
who had had these experiences going on for his entire life. He lived with great concern that these would not only be found out by his family, who he seemed unable to tell because it was such a shattering reality for him, but more that he would certainly lose his credibility as a, a serving law enforcement personnel and lose his job. He had gone to see um, a hypnotic regressionist in the United Kingdom. We asked him specifically after that first session, um, before the first session, to let us know what he thought, whether or not he was going to continue with him or whether or not he was somebody we should never recommend. And when he completed it, he contacted uh, myself and my colleague and said he seemed very well-meaning. He takes the subject seriously. My problem is I think he takes it too seriously in that he expressed that he wants to work on a book about it. And as we were getting into the early material and I saw something in the sky, his question to me was, what did the spaceship look like? And at that point, even though I was under I, I really had trouble. I, I think you get my point. The point of being too leading, you don't want to convince somebody. Well, the lawyer's That's, great question of uh, when did you stop beating your wife? Well, the other issue, of course, is the accuracy of what you remember under hypnotic regression, assuming all the controls are taken. Yes, We're and doing, I can speak here from the first person sure. in that. In the first years I was involved in this, because my memory to me was shattering enough, and it was a sighting, I was regressed by three different hypnotists. One, the detective police sergeant trained by the NYPD or took his training uh, to do uh, regressive work for criminal investigation, the other by Bud, and the other by another hypnotist to bring me back to when I was 14. It was a fascinating experience. I feel I can speak, you know, with some authority as somebody that's been under. Well, Peter, why don't you give our listeners, I think, a, a better sense of, of this very life-changing experience that you, you had. Oh, sure. Could you give us kind of a uh, thumbnail sketch of uh, what, you know, what exactly happened? I'd be glad to. It's certainly been published and I've talked about it over the years, but yes, definitely. I was 14, my sister Helen just 12. We were playing on the front lawn of the home in the village we grew up in, about 30 miles east of New York City. Very idyllic childhood, wonderful family. I, I had a very happy childhood, I think, as much as anybody can say, and two wonderful sisters and great parents. And we were just goofing around in the front yard, and I have to say it was an absolutely beautiful late morning. Blue sky, not a cloud, and one of those days that people in suburban village America know quite well where there's just nothing going on for an extended period of time, no ice cream man, no mailman, no kids playing, whatever. I caught something moving out of my right peripheral vision. As I and we'll looking. have to find out what that Aha, thing moving out of his right peripheral vision in a moment with <laughs> Peter Robbins. You're talking to Gene and Chris on The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Neighbors, do you need to bring the final touches to your latest podcasts? Clean up the soundtrack of that holiday video. Mix together a few takes from your last jamming session. Process the audio files of the video game you're creating to sound just right. But look no further. Whatever audio-related task you're looking to perform, Amadeus Pro is the tool for you. It's the Swiss Army knife of sound editing. Go to hairersoft.com. H-A-I-R-E-R soft.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. 
The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. You can't argue with success. And many people have found great success in fighting back colds and flu viruses with Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. So now, it's time to get even more success with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health Products. Like C Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet. Or Human Growth Hormone Support, Menopause Specialist for Women, and Joint Specialist. See these and many other quality Affinity Health products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. That's A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y HealthProducts.com. Or call in your orders at 877-888-7126. That's 1-877-888-7126. Trust your health to the makers of Alley C, the world's best garlic extract. Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast we're back, Gene and Chris, talking to Peter Robbins, and something caught his eye. He's 14 years old, which is about 375 years ago. Pretty much. And I speak as somebody who remembers my childhood back when the Egyptians were... Oh, listen, before the dinosaurs ruled the earth. So wow. go on, Peter. Okay. 
I saw five silvery white disc-shaped objects like uh, ellipses coming in at a very high rate of speed and simply stopping well above the house across the street owned by a family named Parker. And I said one word. Um, it was either Helen or look. And we looked. And there they were. They hung in a very precise, what I have to describe as a military kind of V formation. Depending on how big they were, they were like brushed aluminum. I mean, they weren't shining like stainless steel. There was no question they were metallic. Again, there was nothing ambiguous or ethereal about it. And they were close enough that we both could clearly see along the edges of each disc regular markings that were off the color of the metallic look that we could only read the way you'd see uh, windows, you know, on uh, a commercial um, aircraft. Well, we didn't speak. We just looked and looked and looked. And to this day, um, when I, I reflect on this, I experienced something um, I've come to call the checklist phenomena and that in several hundred interviews I've done with people who have had memorable sightings, uh, often they describe the same phenomenon. It goes something like this. It's or they're not planes, helicopter, clouds, uh, reflections from the ground, a, a floating plastic bag. Well, they didn't have them then. We used stone bags. And then at a certain point, you hit the wall. And for me, at that moment, as just <laughs> I was a raging adolescent being run by my hormones and a desire for some cooler clothes and a girlfriend. And I experienced a moment of what I can only describe as cosmic loneliness. It was just, oh my God, I had always intuited from the adult world. These were nonsense. And of course, I enjoyed my share of the movies at the time, wonderful black and whites that now considered classics. But there they were. And there were no appendages, no tails, no wings, no nothing. And in regression, it's Almost, uh, for me, poignant. My last words before I, I get a sense of what I'm looking at, and it's a phrase I, I would not use now, but I might have used as a kid, was secret government test planes. I'll bet there some kind of secret government test planes. That's and funny that's because people out. in those years did believe that. Yeah. You know, that some UFOs were secret government test points. But let me ask you one quick question to yeah. cut to the chase here. Okay. Yeah. When you underwent hypnotic regression, did it mm. bring forth details you weren't consciously aware of or had not considered? Great question. Literally two. And they were that before I, I went unconscious during this experience. And before everything went black, it went blue for a moment. And that when I came to... I was so enraged, I, I would say for a split second, I, I felt like killing somebody, and then I, I calmed down. I, I went into therapy in part because of this back in the day, um, and I did so with a remarkable uh, psychotherapist named Ellsworth F. Baker, if anybody wants to Google that name. Uh, Dr. Baker had been the former first assistant of Wilhelm Reich for the last 11 years of his life. I'm very involved with Reich's work uh, since I was uh, 19 years old, I guess. And Baker had had two sightings of UFOs as well, one with Reich during cloud-busting operations in the 50s and another over his home in um, Red Bank, New Jersey. And I knew this is somebody that would not laugh at me. I, I wanted desperately to integrate this feeling of being split off from the world by knowing or think I knew something that, you know, everybody else was sleepwalking around. 
but again, in regression, I went in to confirm my memories and discover these two tiny new memories. And what I, I understand now and I'm very comfortable with is, and my sister was actually taken um, when I was knocked out. And there was that moment of, I was running to the front door at this point. I had had it and was running into the house to tell our mother about what we were seeing in the sky. And I was a little kid who was knocked out from behind by, you know, on a certain level in my mind, a cosmic bully. And um, that afternoon, Helen said, do you want to talk about this? And I said, no. And the next day led to the next week, led to the next year. And when I said 14 and a half years later, in amazement that she had confirmed my memories, why come? Why didn't we ever talk about this? She reminded me that I had asked not to. She loved me and respected me as her brother, and that was that. It can be that simple sometimes. Uh, Peter, I have a couple of questions. You know, I'm, I'm sure. absolutely fascinated by your account, and yeah. you know, a couple of things uh, immediately come to mind. Uh, yeah. You say you blacked out. Now, do you have a sense of the actual duration of the event, the actual sighting event that you were consciously aware of, and does that differ from some sort of hypnotic regression information that that may you know suggest a different number? Yeah. In other words, uh, in your mind, to your best uh, estimate, how long were those objects hovering there? What was the duration of the experience? That's my first well, question. Helen and I agreed first that we were looking at them hanging in the sky for possibly two minutes. That is an incredibly long amount of time. Yeah, now, Helen was just 12, and um, what I really grasp now is she was still at the end of childhood, the real childhood with the possibility of imaginary friends and all that, and she told me that she never forgot it. It was something she reflected on very often um, in the intervening years, but said it always made her feel special and that sooner or later she knew we would talk about it and she had other things to do. However, for me, when the memory returned, and um, again, if you want, I can go into why I think it returned when it did, but it's sort of immaterial. Um, it returned with a vengeance that um, left me feeling like maybe I was going crazy. How could I have forgotten something that was now running through my head like a, uh, a reel of tape and that I knew had happened as well as I know I'm talking to you guys right now? My first thought around how long I was out uh, based on this return memory was not any knowledge but a hope. I hoped it was a minute or two. Um, when I came to, my sister was not there, and I went into the house and walked upstairs. She shared a room with my other sister at the top of the stairs, and there she was, looking out of the window uh, with her back to me, looking into the yard, and it was a private moment, and that's when I went downstairs and told her mom. But as I explored this with Bud, with Pete, with the other regression therapist, and then starting over the years that followed, to begin to really have hands-on um, with other case material and meeting many, many people who had had similar experiences, occasionally with siblings or close friends or what have you, it just seemed more and more logical that I was out for a longer period of time. How long, I couldn't say, but long enough that my sister, who had extraordinarily vivid memories of going up, up, up with their hair blowing and the bottom of one of these things getting larger and larger, that it happened while she was gone. I will ask the next rhetorical question, which was, how could I have been lying there for 20 minutes or half an hour or longer or whatever without anybody seeing me? Well, this was a very rural village. It was a late spring, early summer uh, day. And there was nothing going on. There was nobody. If anybody drove by the house, the chances are, you know, I was lying down. Um, they might not have seen me anyway. Uh, 
Um, but how so when you was me too, you were actually lying on on the lawn, or where, where were you? In I was I was literally at that point. I was running as fast as my little kids could take me to the front door, and was cutting laterally across the lawn to that point where the uh, walkway came to the front door. Okay, so, so you assume that you you were knocked down, basically. Well, uh, there is more. I, not only was I, but when I said that there was a flash of blue before everything went black, uh, and that was my conscious memory, uh, my sister then, um, when she finished telling me what she remembered, said, but there's more and you're not going to like it. Words I will never forget. I mean, that was that was amazing. And um, I said, what? And she said, well, I saw you kind of peel off from my right there with my peripheral vision. But frankly, I wasn't going to stop looking at them. This was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. And I think that's a reaction a lot of people have when they look at something like this. They may be anxious, but they know it's going to disappear and they'll never see it again, very possibly. Amazing, so amazing, we'll have to continue. In just a moment with Peter Robbins, you're hearing Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then... A coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockaways lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockaways is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S. Attack of the Rockaways, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Local Army Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits, magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches, first aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military manuals, sandbags by the bail, and a huge Molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207-989-6783, 207-989-6783, or visit MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E, Military.com, the main name in military supply. OpticsPlanet.com is where discerning gun owners and outdoorsmen go to gear up. Optics Planet has the best selection of rifle scopes, red dots, night vision, holsters, bags, and tactical gear on the planet. With always low prices, free shipping on most orders, and expert customer service. Go to OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN to get a free gift with purchase. That's OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN. Or call 800-332-OPTICS. 800-332-6784. Hi. This 
is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Energy, energy, and more energy. We all need it. Get the energy you need quick through the powers of wild forest extracts. Wild chug on birch bark are the secrets of the forest used exclusively by Russian athletes. Wild chaga is the world's top source of superoxide dismutase, the critical enzyme that blocks the aging process. Chaga is good for your heart and even helps support healthy arteries. Wild birch extract is the top source of betulin, a natural sterile needed by every cell of the body. And healthy cells mean a healthy body and a more powerful you. No wonder it's known as a king of all herbs. Experience real energy and power like you've never dreamed possible. Take Chago Charge Tea with Wild Birch Bark every day and Chaga Max capsules to get the energy you need. You deserve it. Order today by calling 877-817-9829. 877-817-9829. That's 877-817-9829. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Our guest is Peter Robbins. The book, of course, that he wrote that we all know about is Left at Eastgate, co-author with Larry Warren. But obviously, he's been associated very closely with the abduction scenario where he and his sister see a UFO and he's zapped with a blue light. And we were going into what happened next. Yeah, and um, there were five of them in a formation. And I know how this sounds to some people. And, you know, I I remember my esteemed friend and colleague Travis Walton once saying in a, a lecture that he not only understood why people, uh, so many people thought he was crazy or a liar, but he probably would have felt the same way too at a certain point in his life. And it's not that it's impossible, it just couldn't be. Uh, well, until you've been there, it's impossible to, to know what it's like. And, you know, I had an experience when I was seven years old that, you know, for many years, even, you know, after becoming publicly, you know, involved in this yes. field, I, I was very reluctant to come forward. It took quite a bit of... That's so easy to understand. Gosh. For me, I, I, I talked about it fairly early on, but I have never, ever not told the truth about it, but I have not discuss certain aspects of it. For example, that this memory of Helen saying within two or three seconds, her count, of this beam uh, of me disappearing to run into the house, she watched as one of these craft, if you will, shot out a blue beam of light. And she was very specific here to say that in itself was mind-blowing. It's a clear day. It's not, you know, for example, a... uh, a heavily um, foggy kind of condition where if you shone a, a laser, you know, you'd see that line bouncing off of a billion droplets of uh, moisture. Um, she saw the light as though it was, you know, defined on each side. And she turned, she saw me in it, the light went out, I went down. 
the next thing she remembers, she's on her way up. Now, let me also tell you, conscious memory, my last three memories before everything went out was something that I actually feel a lot saner talking about, having heard so many other accounts directly from people in similar-ish situations. The first aspect, and this sounds impossible, is that I my attention was completely gone within two or three seconds from these things in the sky. I was not thinking about them. Well, how could that be? The reason was something actually a little more interesting was happening. I think what had happened was um, I had lost all motor coordination and was going down while I was running. But for me, it was an incredibly slow motion. And as I started to fall, I'm coming in toward the walkway. And again, this will kind of locate my mentality at the time. I'm looking, getting bigger and bigger, at a number of anthills being worked on by their uh, occupants and thinking about, gee, look at the ants, and I rule them, and they look at me cross-eyed, I can wipe them out. <laughs> Number two, how beautiful my mom's um, uh, forsythia bushes look. They were pale blue, and she was a great gardener. And number three, and I swear to you, this was it. My third memory before everything went black was, what a lovely day this is. <laughs> now, again, I, I say that without hesitation and proudly because there are so many other people that I have interviewed or worked with or through Bud or met who have described extremely similar phenomena. Do you and think, and parenthetically, Peter, do you think... Mm -hmm that that positive impression is being implanted to reduce your sensation of fear. It wouldn't surprise me, although there may be a series of like physiological synapses that snap in. Um, normally, if you're falling and you might hurt yourself, and I did scrape my uh, right forearm very nicely. In fact, uh, my first physical sensation when I awoke was a throbbing in my right forearm, and I swear once again, I mean, I've got the tapes. Um, I look at it, and it's a big red bruise that you know is going to uh, uh, be very nice for a boy in a few days. And my, my conscious words are, what a great scab that's going to be. You know, a true boy's red badge of courage. Oh, I love those scabs, right. yes. Yeah, a yeah. scab of honor. I have, I have a quick question here. Okay. Uh, Peter, you are, a, a, you know, I... It, you're such a bright, eloquent guy, and, and, and you know, I mean, you you know, I edited this uh, Dialogues and Disclosure project. Yeah, I'm so glad you got my the favorite, one. My favorite interview no or joke. dialogue was you and Gary Heseltine talking. Oh, wow. Dazzled. Thank you. I was dazzled by that your brilliance. You know, and I'm, I'm not stroking you here. I, I, I really mean that. Thank you. And, uh, you know, being such a bright kid, Having such a, an incredible experience like this, I'm sure one of the first things that you did was start diving into uh, checking around to see if anybody else had seen these objects. Now, was there any sort of sighting wave going on at the time? Um, were you able to uncover any corroborating witnesses? Um, did you did you mention this to anybody, or did you pull back and and kind of like keep it hidden and, and oh, not really perfect. discuss? I mean, what, what was your process? I will, give you, I will give you a two-part answer to that, and thank you for asking it. When it happened, um, again, and I stress this, and nature is kind. We remember certain things happen, but we don't remember exactly what we were going through. And anybody think back to, uh, you know, being in the seventh or eighth grade and the mortification of, you know, acne or having, you know, not cool clothes or having a oh, yeah. crush on a girl makes fun of you, whatever. I knew 
as well as I knew anything, that if I reported what Helen and I had seen to even my best buddies in junior high school, word would get around and that there is this network of girls that is connected up around the planet and that they would hear about this and that none of them would ever have sex with me for my whole life. This was, of course, the early version of Facebook. Before there was Facebook and Twitter, before there was MySpace, you had this quiet worldwide network. I very concerned. The peer pressure aspect and the ridicule factor was something I did think about. I will tell you, over the next week or two, I struggled. And this is one of the reasons why that mantra of it can't be, therefore it isn't, therefore it's something else, is something I bat around, because that is exactly the point that I took. It couldn't have been machines of undetermined origin under intelligent control from parts unknown of advanced technology. It had to be something else. Whatever it was, was getting in my way. And I really wanted to go on to other things. And in a matter of weeks, I genuinely had put it behind me. And then 14 and a half years later, I'm living in a loft in Chinatown. I'm in my 20s. I'm a young artist. I'm teaching painting at the School of Visual Arts, the best art school where I graduated from. I've got a, a beautiful girlfriend who believes in me. I'm doing contracting and blue-collar work in Soho and renovating old buildings into galleries. I've got everything I want. I'm selling my work a couple of times a year. My my dream is coming true. And Chinese New Year at the time, um, up until uh, Mr. Giuliani, miserable bastard, became uh, mayor, the Chinese were, they we looked the other way as far as Fourth of July fireworks went. Now they use poppers and things. He declared it illegal. But at the time, if you lived in Chinatown, you were like in the DMZ for 72 hours. So I hadn't slept at all in days. And I had also just gone through a portfolio of drawings that my grandmother had saved for me and given to me not long before of drawings I had done as a child. And I think these things, in a way, came together. And the other most important thing is I guess my mind was simply ready to begin to address it. Now, once the memory returned, yes, the answer to your question was I uh, was able to get access to the newspaper morgues of the data of the uh, Newsday, um, the paper I grew up with, as well as the New York Times and the Long Island Post. I was able to locate the event as well as I could in June of 1961. And from there, I, I went backwards and forwards about six months in each newspaper and found nothing. For me, that was something that began to get me interested in UFOs and the media, which has become another specialty of mine. If you're going to see a UFO, are you going to call the newspaper and report it? Oh, they're going to love that. Um, these things, unless it's a mass sighting, they often do not get reported because people are reticent to do so. Certainly were then and certainly to a degree are now. No, it makes sense. Uh, you know, having gone through, you know, it's a different but similar experience. I, yeah. I, I definitely can, can appreciate that. Well, let's, let's move on. I mean, I think you've really established or reestablished for our listeners, uh, your, your absolute fascination here. Let's go back to your work with the Intruders Foundation and, and, and then later on, I have a couple of questions, uh, uh dealing with Rendlesham. And, and obviously we need to, uh, to carve out some time for that particular subject as well. But, uh. Yeah. yeah I, so, what I was doing, Chris, before we were doing that was to kind of just do a little more myth busting about abduction investigation and results, get people more acclimated to what's really going on. And then we can go into more of the work of the Intruders Foundation, some okay. things we've discovered and some things that, you know, are left out there on the table that we don't fully understand 
The guest is Peter Robbins. The book is Left at Eastgate, co-author with Larry Warren about Rendlesham. He's also a board member of the Intruders Foundation, founded by the late Bud Hopkins. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Peter Robbins. I'm Gene with Chris on the Paracast. Going back to some of the things I was mentioning, and we kind of dovetailed into your personal encounters when I went into hypnotic regression. But let's look at more myths about UFO abductions. That's really, in many cases, sleep paralysis. You know, you wake up, you can't move, but you're kind of having a nightmare. And now our cultural expectation has gray aliens, UFOs, that kind of thing with all the science fiction on TV and the movies. So what about sleep paralysis? Yes, I love that uh, term, cultural expectation. That's great. Well, there is absolutely no question in any sane person's mind that has looked into it, whether they're a, a medical or mental health professional or a layperson, that this is a diagnosed absolute real condition where you wake up and you're unable to move for reasons that I am not aware of, technically speaking. It's absolutely a given. But for, again, uh, debunkers or uh, mean-spirited skeptics to then presume that this person has somehow is so weak-minded that they, because they can't move, they then are seeing a, a being or beings standing in their room or that they're floated through a solid object like a window or a wall or that they're taken or that one is also having to presume that they are scarring themselves, not that that doesn't happen either, but how do they make those tiny little ice cream scoops that self-cauterize and never seem to bleed? Are they enrolling other people in lying for them um, in cases where this is um, witnessed on one level or another? And again, uh, I would direct uh, anybody's attention to um, the book witnessed by Hopkins. The point being here is that you can't dismiss, though, the fact that sometimes mental health issues are responsible for some people thinking they're being abducted. Well, that would be um, not just naive. It would be an extremely poor deductive method and um 
absolutely unethical. The fact is that of people who have had these experiences, I would expect that there is a uh, an appropriate breakdown among those people of people who have had any number of, of situations, problems, um, uh, whether or not they, they smoke or drink or are, um, you know, um, neurotic on some level or another. However, um, um, one thing I will always be indebted to Dr. John Mack for was as a distinguished professor of psychiatry and a clinician, Pulitzer Prize winning writer and co-founder of the psychiatric wing of uh, uh, Cambridge Hospital in Boston. John, who also worked with abductees, although we disagreed on many things, he was qualified to and did run standard psychological tests on the people that came to him. And in every case, and not almost every case, except for this extraordinary series of memories and experiences, they absolutely tested out as normal people um, and representative of the population at large. So there's no specific class of people, racial characteristics or anything else, income levels that are more or less prone to being abducted? Well, in fact, it's just the opposite. For me, that was most clear in years of attending support group meetings in New York City. I would say that every, pretty much every ethnicity, background, social and political point of view, um, men and women, older and younger, again, people who had high school educations and PhDs, people who were doctors and lawyers and men mental health professionals, I would add, who certainly knew that if they ever were public about this, they would lose their licenses to practice because, of course, they're crazy if they say that happened. Is that one of the reasons why more mental health professionals aren't getting involved in abduction research, kind of leaving the layman to kind of figure it out? Gosh, I'll tell you what, if I were a psychologist or a psychiatrist and I wanted to uh, learn more about this or get involved, I'd be very discreet about it. And I'm, I, I think it, it takes tremendous courage to do otherwise and in some ways can be very counterproductive. In fact, I will tell you for a fact that I re, there were at least six psychiatrists and quite a number of psychologists who develop very cordial relationships with Bud and who form part of our very informal network of mental health professional referrals um, uh, around the states that confided to Bud and he to me as his assistant, and I do not break those confidences, and here I'm not giving any names, of course, but what they would ultimately say was the reason I got into the healing arts or became a psychologist was because this has happened to me since I was a child as well, and I wanted to be of some value. Okay, now that certainly dovetails to our next question, which is from the critics. Okay, the critics, or some critics say, okay, and it gets personal, as you know, Bud Hopkins and Dr. David Jacobs were just a couple of dirty old men looking for poor, unfortunate people to exact the lurid details of their abduction encounters with specific emphasis on those that seem to have sexual experimentation in terms of taking sperm samples, such things like that. What's your response to that? Um, Yes, that there are people who, of course, would seize upon that. Number one, let's say hypothetically that they were people of low character who for some horrific, you know, personal really twisted reason or uh, deep neuroses or need to feel special or what have you 
were so um, objectionable as people that they would do these things. This, I would imagine, number one, should be um, actionable legally. Um, number two, um, Dr. Jacobs, who just retired from his uh, post as a, a very popular professor of history at Temple University in Philadelphia, should have uh, certainly lost um, all credibility as an academic and been fired by the university. And in fact, some of the attackers um, have, have tried to do just that completely without success. But the other thing is, again, trying to pull back a moment here and be as objective as I can as somebody who is just listening to this show, trying to take in what we're talking about and whether or not we're joking or delusional or maybe, God forbid, this is something that might be going on, one would want to think anything other than the possibility that it really is as presented, no matter what, first, rather than accept this incredible reality as a possibility. So on a certain level, you know, I appreciate that there are people that are going to at least examine that point of view, but to then maintain it, I think we only need to look to the history of some of the true pioneers of, of science and other areas of discovery over the millennia to see that, you know, they were the ones who were the most attacked in their time. Um, you have somebody um, um, like Copernicus who was imprisoned for by the, the Roman Catholic Church in, in the... Uh, 1590s for stating that he felt the earth went around the sun and after six years he was burned at the stake as a heretic. I'm pleased to report that in the last few years the church has apologized and said then maybe have overreacted a bit. It's a bit too late. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, you know, I think well, Wilhelm Reich is another perfect sure. example. Well, don't even, yes. In fact, um, um, he would be an example that um, I, I'd be glad to devote a whole show to. That is an area of specialty research and investigation for me uh, that precedes this. In fact, um, I, last month I had the great honor of speaking about Reich and UFOs at a uh, conference on his work and discoveries in central Greece. I've lectured. Uh, on this in France and uh, different right conferences around the world over the years. And well, I think part of the situation here, too, is that you wonder about people who take these very extraordinary events and turn them into lurid, tabloid-style headlines. Mm -hmm. And you have to think nobody is above criticism. I mean, we right. can take the work of Bud Hopkins and Dr. David Jacobs, we can say, well, they did this right, they did this wrong, and that's legitimate to say. They should Nobody be analyzed. Should be the only way we're going to understand what's going on is to analyze the work that's being done, and if they've made mistakes, fine, take that evidence and don't use it. We'll get into more of this on the Paracast with Gene and Chris. We're talking to Peter Robbins, co-author with Larry Warren of Left at Eastgate. That's the Rendlesham book, and of course, you're always in the Paracast. Have you 
Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Hey everybody, Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery. So you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought. And if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237 and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use EscapeHarassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape Harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 9009. That's 877-457-9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money-back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy Clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to FreezeDryGuy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's FreezeDryGuy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze Dry Guy, the best you can buy. We'd like to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. We continue with Peter Robbins with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. So we're talking about, I guess, the criticism. The fact that it's not just criticizing somebody's methods, but trashing a person's personality, just ripping it apart to shreds for whatever motives. How do you feel about that? Well, not good. The fact is, though, this has nothing to do with UFOs. It is common human behavior throughout history when information is too disturbing or a new discovery suggests that absolutely set and understood belief is now open to question, better to destroy the discoverer. And if you can't destroy their findings, attack their character. This is all too common in our culture. And right now, I think we're seeing it in American politics a lot. It's just become a a very brutal and, as you say, tabloid kind of game. Let's remember here also that we live in a world that of low-information individuals where um, Fox leads the charge around the world to continue to knock brain cells out of people's heads and where news infotainment passes for actual information that is happening. And then they get all self-righteous and huffy when you bring that to their attention. And I will say here, and I forget, uh, I think it's a quote credited to... um, uh, Joseph Goebbels the, about the big lie. If you keep repeating a lie and you do, to, do it loud enough and irate enough, at a certain point people will get worn down and if it's what they're hearing, they will begin to assume that it has some factual basis. This is very effective and it's been used throughout history, so why should we expect different here? In fact, here we should expect it all the more. And in fact, when you study the history of public perception in media of UFOs, it has been singled out for such an incredible level of derision, attack, condescension, belittling, and when you can't attack the information, you attack the credibility of the individual. Again, this is an area that fascinates me in terms of its impact on controlling information and making mass impact on a culture. We, the human race, we, the first world, we, the New York Times and the news media of uh, the Western world, have done an absolutely brilliant job. Even now, when we live in a time when more and more people even if they don't readily discuss it, will say to people they're close to or at least think, yes, this is a possibility, this is interesting, this might actually be the way it is. Now, how can we push this aside other than ignoring these people? Because I'll tell you, we've been demonized here on the Paracast constantly. So, you know, they talk about... Well, not you, Gene. They, they, uh, well, never mind. Well, they focus on you. You're a money grubber, by the way, (laughs) because you have this tape that this DVD set that you have 
on disclosure. You're not entitled to possibly sell a few copies and make a couple of dollars. I mean, that's oh, the way things go. People educate people, uh, and and again, I, I can't stress how impressed Peter. And I don't say this very very often on the show. I don't stroke my guests, but I, I'm telling you, when you talk about your interest in in the media's role in the truth embargo, let's say, or, or how, you know, the public knowledge of, of UFOs has unfolded since, you know, Roswell's Kenneth Arnold incident. Yes. Your, your point about that initial article in the New York Times about the Roswell incident is so powerful and it is so indicative of exactly what you've been talking about in terms of really putting a lid down yes. culturally on something that is so paradigm shifting and so like out of the norm, out of the pale, that um, it, it just, the effects of that have reverberated for decades. Yes, they for have, and very well. I'm crazy enough or obsessed enough with this subject to, in a number of, of uh, separate projects, I have uh, found and downloaded every single article the New York Times has ever published on this subject, and I went for the Times because it's a paper that I have tremendous admiration for. It is arguably the flagship of American journalism, print journalism, and has a long and distinguished history, but there is kind of an interesting caveat in their slogan, all the news that's fit to print. This news <laughs> is right. not fit to print, and I don't mean it in a joking way. I mean it's, it's terrifying to many people. Whether or not that there was a policy decision made back then, I, I can only make educated guesses. But having read every single article the New York Times has ever published and seen the impact it has had from the get-go on other major news carriers, whether it was radio with uh, David Sarnoff and NBC or the Hearst Syndicate of Papers or the Copley Syndicate of Newspapers, the impact was tremendous. And once it was understood that this was a subject that should be singled out for special treatment and that there were now two kinds of journalism. There was journalism and UFO journalism. And UFO journalism, that was flying saucers and little green men, even if people seemed serious. We all know it's nonsense. So if you don't get everything right or whatever, you can play fast and loose with it. But I observed very specific patterns in the way the reportage uh, was twisted, whether it came in a series of articles or one article. So would you suggest then, Peter, that this way of reporting UFOs, was that something that just everybody fell into that habit? Or was this mandated by well, management, the big corporations who also support the politicians? I think we can deduce that once the initial reporting got out there, and that first week, because again, the Times completely ignored the Kenneth Arnold sightings, but the day after the Roswell announcement that in fact a disc had been recovered, the day that poor Jesse Marcel Sr. was humiliated and never was quite the same for the rest of his life, the poor man, the Times seized on the story and a its credibility. They did such a number, and that became policy. Now, my point is, however it happened, and I have no idea how I have my ideas and theories, but once the major papers began to cover this subject in a condescending way, the signal was sent out to the news media. The only ones who didn't pick up on it and who still don't are local newspapers who overall do serious reportings of local sightings. Now, signal in what sense do you think? Well, that the government sent the no, signal well, or 
is it the publishers talking amongst each other? All that needed to be done. All that needed to be done as far as I'm concerned from wherever the lead came. And I will send you um, an extensive paper that you can post on uh, your site here. I think it'll be better than trying to use all our time to explain the theoretics. But for me, once it was established that the subject is silly and should be covered in a silly way, editors publishers and certainly reporters who wants to buck the system you know you want to be the one to report that it's serious you're going to be a laughing stock among your colleagues make no mistake about it you'd be like frank edwards a newscaster on radio who lost his gig well edwards is a whole nother case he ended up being the most influential radio broadcaster about the subject of his time in the 60s he was the person who first brought donald kehoe on the air and made this a serious topic of discussion he wrote several new york times bestsellers And although um, I have looked into and done a whole separate amount of research on alleged um, deaths that are somewhat suspicious of people who have been involved in the work, most of which I think were either coincidental or just sort of conspiratorial wish fulfillment, I do have some very serious questions about Edwards' passing. I want to ask you about that because I did know Frank Edwards slightly. Oh, my goodness. Yes. We're talking to Peter Robbins, and you're hearing Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hey, Brian, if you could do just one thing today to ensure your family's food security, what would it be? That's easy, Bill. I'd head straight to SoupBeanSurvival.com. SoupBeanSurvival.com? I know, Bill, it sounds crazy, but this ancient secret has been around for over 8,000 years, and it truly is nature's super survival food. Really, Brian, the number one survival food? Well, certainly the forgotten survival food. Absolutely, Bill. The folks at SoupBeanSurvival.com scoured our planet to find the very best heirloom seeds to truly find nature's super survival food. Brian, these aren't grocery store beans, are they? No way, Bill. You're not going to find these beans in any grocery store. These are the absolute highest quality beans in the world. Visit SoupBeanSurvival.com. That's SoupBeanSurvival.com for all the information you're going to need for nature's super survival food. 
Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. You know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. And most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of most alkaline minerals available. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins and acid, helping you to regain your energy and health. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body to rid itself of acidic waste increases oxygen, and raises the pH of your body to optimal levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. A little bit later on, we'll have some questions for Peter Robbins from our listeners who post on the question bank at forum.theparacast.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. And I was saying there earlier that I met Frank Edwards a few times, had some pleasant conversations with him, a really nice guy. Now, he was kind of a heavy guy, so you kind of think the guy is overweight, he dies young, maybe. That's a logical explanation, but you're saying there's something more there. Yes, and as we're speaking, I'm trying to see if I can locate that paper uh, without too much trouble here, simply because I did such good research on it, I thought I don't want to try to remember uh, and in fact, I'm giving a lecture on it um, in a few weeks in uh, Rochester, New York. Frank Edwards began his career as a radio broadcaster in 1924. He was actually a White House correspondent from 49 to 54 and was cited as one of the nation's three top broadcasters in 1953. The other two were Edward R. Murrow and Lowell Thomas. I mean, the guy was a player. He wrote a number of books uh, relative to the subject, Stranger Than Science, Strangest of All, but his two real blockbusters on this subject were UFOs, Serious Business, and UFOs Here and Now. They were major bestsellers in this country, and I think the first one internationally. He was also a member of the Board of Governors of, of NICAP, uh, very hard-hitting. 
he also was the person who introduced America per se to Donald Kehoe, the voice, rather than just the book. Kehoe's books preceded him. He was a first real major uh, UFO best-selling author. Where I have problems um, with the events surrounding his death, and I, I'm not saying there's foul play, I'm saying that there is cause for further investigation, there is no question he was a heavy fellow, um, probably had high blood pressure based on you know his weight. And he passed away a few minutes before midnight on, on June 23, 1967, in New York City um, at an event that he was about to speak for called the Conference of Scientific Ufologists that had been scheduled for the next morning. And I was on the board of the Conference of Scientific Ufologists. Oh, my by gosh. The well, the, how about that? Well, I, again, the fact that he died suddenly the morning before he was going to speak, yes, I, I believe in coincidences. I don't think that everything happens for a reason. Stuff just sometimes bumps into each other. This, for me, though, is... This pushes the threshold a bit. Not that it's an impossible coincidence, far from it. How old was he? Um, well, let's see. Um, we can make a deduction. Um, this was 1967. He began his broadcasting career in 1924. So we're assuming a guy in his 60s. Early 60s, maybe, I would guess. Sure. Um, but not more. Not more. I mean, again, who knows? Um, there could be a perfectly legitimate um, death certificate there that actually states realistic causes or and or not <laughs> parenthetically my brother died at the age of 62 mm. but that happened in the 1990s after a magazine called longevity had this article not too many months before he died saying why wally steinberg plans or hopes to live forever the wrong kind of article i guess oh, well how Irony. Here's another thing, too. He passed away a few minutes before midnight on the 23rd of June, or possibly a few minutes after. And if it was after, it would have been on the exact 20th anniversary of the Kenneth Arnold sightings. Again, the chances well, are 165. I mean, it's not a million to one shot, but... These two things taken together, for me, signal that further investigation is warranted. Not that he was murdered for what he knew about UFOs. Never jump the gun. But yes, this is, this is interesting. And if it was one of those things, interesting. If it's two of them, worthy of further uh, investigation. Well, I must say that two of the most influential books for me as a youngster growing up were John Fuller's book, Incident at Exeter, and Frank Edwards' book, uh, UFO Serious Business. <laughs> and, uh, you know, let's, let's uh, move forward here in our conversation. Gene, where were we? You were talking, we were talking about the, the mythos about the abduction phenomenon. Yeah, and I think we kind of got into the general UFO field. Yeah. And I right. think part of it is we were raising questions about media. the methodology, about the media, but also about some people who have basically decided to demonize the leading investigators in the UFO abduction field and demonize me and demonize you and demonize Don Ecker, Chris. Mm -hmm. You know, as you've been called yeah, a money grabber, they are worried about what car I drive and whether somebody complained because I once spent 99 cents on a pay-per-view video. I wrote an article about it because I couldn't get it to work. But they complained because having the usual financial difficulties people have in this day and age, yeah. they said, you wasted money, 99 cents. 
You should, no. you know, buy a new car for that. Yeah, there well, you go. duh. Um, I, in fact, I think I'm going to have to ring off now. I, I'm actually uh, very irate that, that you would do that when that money should have been better applied. Yes, and I definitely, I definitely shouldn't buy my wife coffee. No. Oh, that's a big one. There's somebody yeah, yeah. out there now, who has been screaming about that. You should make it yourself, for goodness sakes. Not buy it from one of those fancy retail places. Yeah, like a convenience store for $1.29. Crazy, man. Yes, I'm just <laughs> totally. I shouldn't be using Max. I should buy a $300 PC and have it blow up in my face. There you go. That works for me. Hey. Yeah. For raised bugs. Virus. I just paid 200 to have mine fixed. I'm afraid to say. But seriously speaking, looking at yeah. the UFO abductions, yeah. is it because David Jacobs and Bud Hopkins were considered leading investigators that they were signaled out over and above everybody else? As opposed to? <laughs> I don't know. How many other people I, well, are doing I, you know, active? Yeah, how many people? John Carpenter. I mean, there's, there, yeah. there are other individuals that have Without really... Without question. There are, there, are, there are a number of other individuals who have done what I consider, you know, good work or serviceable work or done their very best to get to the bottom of it from their point of view. But I think it's fair to say in the world of um, ufology, uh, the two most seminal names um, are Hopkins and Jacobs. Uh, they really pioneered the territory. And all I can say without belaboring the point is read their works and make your criticism based on the works that you've read. I'd also suggest one of the finest books on the subject and one of the lesser known ones is a book called UFOs and Abductions, Challenging the Borders of Knowledge. It's a particularly important and unique book in that it was published by the University of Kansas Press. Now, university presses are notoriously skittish about this subject. And the fact is that this is a very courageous book, except for, I think, Bud's paper. Everybody in the book is a PhD. And it is all academics, all people who are involved in the work. But yes, um, Hopkins and Jacobs have the highest visibility in this work. So if you're going to attack somebody, you know, it's the American way. You want to become well-known and, and do it in a fairly uh, lively way and not have to go through years of establishing yourself, you know, um, shoot somebody better known, um, allegorically or actually, and all of a sudden you're famous. Wow. And I have seen that repeatedly over the years, in the last few years, uh, certainly no exception, of people who were not known in the field, who now are somewhat known, specifically, as the attackers of well-known people. And now they've got, you know, their own little area of uh, following and, um, you know, are working it for what they can. Well, we can call them bottom feeders, I don't know. But okay, so here's the point. Who's going to take over this research? Now, we have David Jacobs is retired. He's not well, a young guy. A, we hope a, he's going to continue to be healthy for many years. Maybe. Bud Hopkins just passed on. We have a situation here where we have to find the next generation of researchers. If we're going to evaluate the works of these people and decide one way or the other what can go, what can stay, where can we take it from here, let's figure out what's happening. So where do we take it? Where are the young whippersnappers who are going right. to snap what, this up? What, what can they bring to the table that they've learned from, from these pioneers in the field that we've been discussing? And the yeah. answer will come from Peter Robbins. 
In just a moment, you're listening to Gene and Chris, and we'll have more on the other side of the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. How would you like to have normal blood pressure? This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L and my LDL is 37L. My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB Extract. Millions of people like Ernesto are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeats, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation. Heart and Body Extract. My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month. Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. 
she did a double take when she looked at my ER labs. She couldn't believe it. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. We have Peter Robbins. He's here in two capacities today, or multiple capacities, but also as a founding member of an advisory board member of Bud Hopkins Intruders Foundation, also as the author of Left at Eastgate. And probably what we'll do after this answer is get into listener questions and a little bit about Rendlesham. So the question is on the table. The next generation of UFO abduction researchers, tell us. Well, um, we will find out as they emerge. There is no set answer to that. For example, don't think for a second that somebody who is a a board member of uh, the Intruders Foundation is simply going to come forward and say, I am now the new Bud Hopkins. This is simply not going to be the case. People establish themselves on their own and things follow that. I know, you know, and when you said, where is the new young generation, three or four guys and gals in their 20s came right to my mind, uh, who I've met, spent time with, assisted in my own way, and done some interviews with or made introductions for, who are as passionate as anybody in their 20s pursuing something that may well be what they're going to be doing fully and professionally. We don't know where they're going to come from, but they're certainly out there. And we will find out together who they are as they emerge. Just to give a name means nothing. You've got to do the work. And we might not, you know, see who they are for some time to come. But we have a tremendous amount of work to go through to analyze, to subject to criticism. And a point that I meant to make before it got by me about, um, you know, criticizing people like Bud or Dave, well, anybody that is involved in radical new work or theory uh, or discoveries should welcome criticism. Uh, and I don't mean debunking. I mean functional criticism based on what they allege. This is part of the process that drives knowledge and science or any other area of study forward, the dialogue. Um, but this is completely separate phenomena than character attacks on individuals or um, specious misinterpretations of work or stacking the deck in some way or another with false information. And I'll tell you, I, I just remembered um, this has got to be, well, John uh, Mack was certainly still alive. And John, our basic disagreement, um, and I know it was the same one that he had with Bud, was John an eminently decent man who I, I I can't tell you how much I liked him. He's just a wonderful guy. He sponsored me speaking, um, I guess about 19... 19- 98 or so for the staff and invited guests of the Cambridge Hospital Psychiatric Wing on Rendlesham and stress in UFO studies. It was one of the most amazing audiences I have ever had, extremely respectful. But John looked 
John wanted to find transcendence, I think, um, and positive things in this experience. I, I know that people that come through it, for me, um, I, I they just go on to live their lives and, you know, have their dreams, even though this stuff may be going on. I think it's it's a testimonial to the strength of the human character. But, again, um, this, this drive for looking for something positive, um, maybe it's there. Uh, I, I just didn't see it in the cases that I was involved in or am involved in over the years. And I'm certainly open to any new information to change my thinking on any aspect of this. Uh, nothing is set in stone here. Chris, you want to get into some of the questions from our listeners? Right. And, you know, I think, uh, Peter, you just did a good job answering a couple of questions uh, uh, just, you know, with your previous statements. And and this comes from Ellendil, who's a, uh, a forum poster from Croatia, actually has been involved in the... Uh, the forums here at the Paracast since August of last year. And um, he just asked about your opinion on the current state of abduction research, uh, and I think you've answered that pretty well. Yeah. But he, he brings up an interesting point, and, and that is, how do you feel about the uh, questions that have been raised about, uh, you know, investigative uh, protocols? Uh, is Hopkins to be blamed for being sloppy and not careful enough for instance, in the case of Jim Amoritolaro, I think mm. is how you pronounce it. Amoritolaro, yes, exactly. And, uh, it, it, you know, I, I could talk about Linda Cortiel or, or other things as well. That's my own caveat there. But um, is there a need to re-evaluate, re-evaluate the work of Hopkins? Uh, do we take it at face value or, you know, do we need to, to really back-engineer the work. <laughs> I don't think either, oh, I, you know, anybody is welcome to do anything, but number one, anything that's put forward in the public realm should not be taken at face value. We should all be in the habit of doing our own research investigation. Yes, of course, it's problematic, you know, working jobs and earning a living and having other things to do in our lives. Now, as far as Jim Mortadello case went, I was there. I knew Jim. I worked this as an assistant, and Jim was a very convincing liar who may well have had experiences but lied about aspects, uh, was a charmer, very colorful, um, led us down quite a path, but Jim was very, very much an exception to the rule. And of course, you want to put that forward and, you know, claim it from the tops of the roofs that we did this, um, fine. Right, one bad apple in the bunch. Sure. Yeah, and the reason I sort of um, uh, waylaid off onto Dr. Mack there was Time Magazine did a quote-unquote expose. They sent in an undercover reporter who alleged that they were an abductee, had done all their homework, presented very well, knew how to respond to the different questions and protocols, went under but didn't allow themselves to fully go under and gave a story that John accepted that was then used to embarrass him and make him look foolish. It's not difficult on a certain level to create a tenable situation like that or to be taken in by somebody who is unscrupulous or has their own agenda. Is there anybody in your listening audience or you or you or me who has not been fooled by somebody whose intention was to fool you, please. Yeah, this I mean, is not that. Really, examples. <laughs> Unfortunately, 
Okay, here's another question. Uh, during your tenure, in uh, ongoing tenure with the Intruders Foundation, did was Bud or you ever exposed to some uh, form of more rigid evidence? For example, a police report which confirms that an alleged abductee was reported as missing by others at the time of a supposed abduction, or a professional opinion by an MD regarding scoop marks and a missing fetus. Uh, these are examples that Ellen Dill is giving you. Thank you so much for that question. Overwhelmingly, yes, and repeatedly. Uh, I remember over the years speaking with individuals who, um, on the phone, uh, I, I would read the initial letter. I'd bring it to Bud's uh, attention. He would ask me to give them a call, invite them in, uh, or, or chat with them on the phone. I remember one of the most poignant ones, calling a young woman who had written an incredibly poignant letter to Bud with all the bells and whistles and scarification and multiple witnesses and a history and having brought in her physician and then her therapist who had uh, was forced to realize that it wasn't, you know, some neuroses or something. And when I told her who I was and why I was calling and her initial question is, this, am I crazy? I said, I'm not a mental health professional, but to the very best of my knowledge and understanding and study, this has happened to many, many people all over the world. And I heard her literally turn and scream like, Mom, he says that not a lot's happened to a lot of people and they have evidence. It was really heart rendering, but oh, absolutely. We have a lot over the years of corroborating mental health, professional testimony, physical evidences, uh, x-rays of objects that should not be in your body, uh, repeated in... Uh, pairing of, again, a, a small scoop mark scar uh, that appeared on the body at a certain point that was noticed by the parent that night or something uh, when they're giving the kid a bath and that it was already cauterized, but they knew it wasn't there before and that it, abs and I wasn't using that as an allegory earlier, that it absolutely... Uh, you're talking about professional uh, opinions about these, these uh, events and evidence, correct? Well, they, I'm talking about professional opinions based on bringing it together in a case history, so to say. But, that but I think what, what, what Ellen Dill's trying to get at is, do yeah. we have any police reports? Do we have any professional uh, opinions uh, rendered uh, into the record? that these things are real and unexplained. In other words, I think what he's getting at is, is you know, seasoned professionals, whether they're law enforcement or medical doctors, uh, willing to state on the record in, in you know, some sort of uh, official form mm -hmm. that these are inexplicable, uh, this is inexplicable evidence. This is the hourly cliffhanger. Peter Robbins will be back with the answer to that question. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, and 
investment advisors when talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg. We're back the final hour we spend with Peter Robbins on the Paracast with Gene and Chris. Before we broke, Chris asked a detailed question about law enforcement officials and others going on the record. What do you have to say, Peter? Yes. There is a handful of such material in those case histories, and there are certainly in excess of a thousand that we will now begin to try to figure out how to handle. But yes, um, also let us remember here that for a medical health professional or a mental health professional or a law enforcement personnel, and the ones that I remember best our law enforcement corroborating X, Y, or Z to even suggest that you believe in UFOs or you take this silliness seriously or that you are going to corroborate in some way a very real event. Think about the incident at Exeter and the police officers that were involved in that and were belittled in Project Blue Book and actually wrote to Project Blue Book and demanded that the government, per se, apologize for categorizing their well-trained observations of a huge, fully articulated disk coming in low over their part of Exeter uh, and being so anxious that the, one of them unholstered his weapon that this was some kind of um, you know, misinterpretation of a weather formation. Again, it would be funny if it wasn't so insulting. Yes, there is a certain amount of that level of information but for very real-world reasons that I think most of us can grasp, to set that down on paper and sign your name as Dr. This or Police Officer That, you are taking your very career in your hands. Okay, here's a question from Williams520, who's a, a new actual member of the forum, and he wonders about your thoughts on the Travis Walton case. Do you believe it was a hoax, or do you believe Travis was really taken? What are your opinions of Whitley Schreiber and his abduction accounts? Again, this is kind of a third question. What do you think are the best abduction cases to date? I think he's going to have about three hours to answer this, folks. Okay. <laughs> well, yes, ask the question there, Gene. Okay. As far as the Walton case goes, I take it very seriously, and I, I consider Travis one of the most ethical, principled, and decent people that I've ever met remotely associated with this subject. I agree. I I just had my first opportunity to spend uh, Uh real quality time with Travis back uh, uh, last month, a month and a half ago out in L.A., and man, I was impressed by by Travis. He's just everything that that, that I thought he would be, and, and I... You know, I, I must say, I, I, I didn't mean to jump in there, but... <laughs> no, that's fine. That's I'm, I am more impressed with uh, with that case 
now that I've actually spent one-on-one time with Travis. Uh, yes. But, but continue. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, um, although uh, the book speaks for itself and is a powerhouse as far as I'm concerned, and Travis, uh, when you have an opportunity to speak with him or hear him speak, uh, I think gives it real gravitas and credibility, the film that was made on his experience, which was extremely powerful, Fire in the Sky, it really does quite a number on the abduction-related area of the experience, and that's the director's prerogative once you buy the option. Oh, no, I, I actually had lunch with Travis and Tracy Torme, who was uh, kind of the producer of the program, yes. uh, the, yeah, well, that's the film. And then you have the inside sense. Of yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they, now, they, believe me, they weren't happy with the way no. the whole thing ended up. They, they and, both and were that's diplomatic whole, that's about it. the whole show right there. Well, that's right. However, what I thought was not just really good, but singularly powerful about the film was the way that it dealt with and focused in on the problem, the uh, tremendous questions that it set up for the law enforcement personnel that were involved. First, let's remember, we're talking about, what was it, five good friends, including two best friends, who would have, were first accused of murder, because that was preferable to, oh, yeah, your buddy got hit by a blue light from a flying saucer. Where'd, where's the body? Um, yeah, exactly. They threw him over the Mogollon Rim. I just went camping up there about three weekends ago. So, <laughs> Well, again, for me. And by the way, Chris never ground? came back. This is his doppelganger. <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm here. Again, for me, the way that that investigation proceeds, the stress that's put upon these young men, to crack the, their characters uh, per se, uh, the way that you know uh, tests came back, and ultimately that we're stuck with. Well, you know, if you know Travis or you have a sense of him, the idea that this working class guy who up until I think two years ago was still a logger and who years ago was approached by the then mayor of Snowflake, Arizona saying with great pride, Travis, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I know Travis would back me up on this, we want to have your name, you know, on this, and, you know, welcome to Snowflake, Arizona sign, home of Travis Walton. He said it's absolutely disgusted, and of course I wouldn't let them do it. This is somebody who is the exact opposite personality type character of somebody who is looking for attention. In fact, I, I can't think of anybody in public life more emblematic of that kind of person who is extremely private and would have probably been very preferential to that. Well, well, well getting back to his question, do you feel that the Travis Walton case is, is a watershed case? Or, I, think it's, I think it's a very important case. I can't think of one even remotely in its category that is more powerful, more important, or stands up better under very tough questioning and scrutiny. Uh, that goes from the specifics of the investigation into it to all of the individuals who are involved. Uh, I, I have a great deal of respect for the incident as well as the individual. Okay, well, what other cases would you put in that same category, or are there any other cases? Well, I would say, um, for me, um, again, I worked for and with Bud um, for periods sometimes of a number of years or so, and... I was working with him as his assistant for the entire time that the investigation on the so-called Linda case, the Brooklyn Bridge case, was going on. 
I was in the office the day that she came in, in late November or the beginning of December, I think it was right after Thanksgiving, late November 1989, and I helped in any way that I could on that investigation, did all the, well, I did a lot of, you know, gopher stuff, um, uh, background, um, was one of the proofreaders, although I, I read every page as it came out of the printer, basically. And that was, I think, like a six-year or so uh, investigation. I also... So you still stand behind the... the stand Linda, behind, still, the I, I have never not stood behind it. And Linda, who is somebody who I have gotten to know very well, who I consider has grown into becoming a very good friend and a friendship that I value very much is for me one of the most upstanding, decent, non-guile type of people I have ever met. And for me, I take it a little bit personally when I hear people say that, you know, she and Bud cooked this up, you know, as a money-making scheme or some of the other absolutely insulting nonsense that um, has been put forward to um, uh, belittle the uh, the case and the research on it. What about Whitley? That's the uh, sort of the second follow-up question yeah. that Wayne 520 has. Uh, yeah. What's your opinion of the Whitley Schreiber case? Now, this I'm I'm asking this as someone that actually had my first, I mean, fully conscious uh, UFO uh, sighting experience in New Paltz mm-hmm. in September, the third weekend of September, 1979. Perfect. <laughs> They're miles from yeah. from his cabin. So, well, you've asked a question that I, I think I can offer um, at least somewhat unique perspective on. Um, Communion, Whitley's first book on UFOs, and let us remember here that Whitley Strieber, at the time, some of your listeners may not be aware of this, he was far and away the best-known American or writer that I'm aware of uh, with some repute. And he, I would, if I had to, I'd categorize categorize the work that he had written up until then as kind of Demi Stephen King, you know, gothic fiction. And um, Sure, yeah. we remember the movies, and we'll go into your answer in further detail about Whitley Strieber, about what he was before he said he was an abductee in the book Communion came out. We're talking with Peter Robbins. You're listening to Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Neighbors, do you need to bring the final touches to your latest podcasts clean up the soundtrack of that holiday video mix together a few takes from your last jamming session process the audio files of the video game you're creating to sound just right but look no further whatever audio related task you're looking to perform amadeus pro is the tool for you it's the swiss army knife of sound editing go to hairersoft.com h-a-i-r-e-r soft.com when making important financial decisions you should always know the facts that's why midas resource is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. 
This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll-free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. Food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy Clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze Dry Guy, the best you can buy. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. So the question on the table for Peter Robbins is about Whitley Strieber and his experiences. And we're getting the insights now on the PowerCast with Gene and Chris from Peter Robbins. Peter? Again, please understand that anything that I say about Whitley, as in anything I say about anything, is my opinion. And I do not represent the Intruders Foundation or Bud or anybody uh, living or dead other than myself. And I usually say when I give opinions on the show, I represent nobody. <laughs> no, come <laughs> on. You represent somebody. Yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I, oh, I don't please. exist. I'm busy out there buying some $1.29 coffee for my wife. I'll be back. Well, I don't know if disembodied spirits can lay the change on the counter, so give me a break. Now, 
let's remember that Communion came out in 1987, uh, the same year that Intruders came out, and that Whitley, who had many, many conscious memories, and they were driving him, <laughs> they had driven him to a state of depression, anxiety, uh, that required him to go into therapy. And I'm saying nothing here out of school. This is all stuff that's been discussed. The book is dedicated communion. I would especially like to thank Bud Hopkins, who has sacrificed an enormous amount of time and effort, often approaching the heroic, for myself and those like me who have been dragged to the edge of reality. I think that's actually uh, very well said, and I think Whitley's a very good writer. I was aware that Bud was working with this well-known writer, worked in the office every day. I'd hear him on the phone. I was sworn to confidentiality, etc. One afternoon, a month or two before the book came out, I received a phone call at home, and it was Whitley Strieber, who I had never spoken to before. He introduced himself, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing, and Whitley, if you're listening, please correct me if I'm wrong. I know you're aware of my situation. I know you work as Bud's assistant. I have completed a manuscript on this story that has happened to me and my family, and I asked Bud um, if there was anyone he could suggest who would proofread this, who had enough knowledge on the subject that they could give me their opinion on how I've written about it, as well as somebody who would not be afraid to simply just tell me what they thought, and he recommended you. Would Could I ask you um, the favor of reading this manuscript for this book? I said yes, and uh, a short time after that, I went to his house in Lower Manhattan, very nice loft apartment that he had with his uh, wife and son, and they set me up in a uh, guest room in the morning and brought me lunch, and I sat there for about eight hours, or close to it, and I read the manuscript for communion from beginning to end. I thought it was a very powerful book. The only advice that I had for Whitley was realizing he was still in therapy, something I had been in and understood a certain amount of the dynamics of, that it might serve the manuscript as well as the process he was going through to spend a bit more time on it and not push it into print right now. And he thanked me and I think sent it to the publisher that afternoon. It came out and was an international bestseller, so don't listen to me. Now, over time, and this is my opinion purely, I have come to feel that, yes, this is a true story. And that is something I assumed at the start. But, and again, this is my opinion, that there are tiny parts of it, little things that Whitley as a writer, just did a little bit of fine-tuning on or a little bit of sanding at the edges. I can't prove this, and I mean no disrespect. It is simply my opinion that some of that went on. And for me, that's always a problem, because if you change anything when you're writing ideally scrupulous nonfiction, and boy, do I know that, you can be accused of, quote-unquote, not telling the truth or some... Uh, well, embellishment. That. Sure, exactly. and also the problem is at that point, where does the fact end and the fiction begins? Let's move on to another question because yeah. we're getting late in the show. Chris? Indeed. Well, now we're going to you know, burst the, uh, the Rendlesham bubble, bubble here, and um, we have several questions. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get through all this, but sure. uh, Rendlesham has, is, you know, this is me speaking, Rendlesham is kind of, uh, <laughs> has a life of its own, and uh, this question comes from Anda Fritz, who's one of our, our earliest, uh, he's been involved in uh, posting on the Paracast for over five years. He was once a moderator for the forums. Exactly. Sure. And, you know, his question deals with what seems to be the sullying of the Rendlesham Forest incident. Hmm. I believe that the personalities involved are beginning to degrade the event. 
To me, when you have possibly the best UFO encounter of all time, it now seems to have all the principles involved starting to turn on each other. I must admit that I really can't believe how anyone uh, or everyone is going after Charles Halt. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he is no angel in this case, but this is the guy who had the tape. This is the guy who wrote the report. This is the guy who actually came forward first in my view. He says, I'm not saying anything bad about Larry Warren, Penniston, Burroughs, or anyone else for that matter, but why Jim Penniston would bring that binary code stuff up right now is a head-scratcher, and that's for sure. So I guess my question is, are these guys starting to crack under some sort of unseen pressure? He would love to hear your thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. And he, he also says, Peter is a great guest on any show I've ever heard him on. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Just for that, I'll give you a good answer. Uh, no. Number one, um, you've mentioned uh, Left at Eastgate several times, the firsthand account of the Rendlesham Forest UFO incidents cover up an investigation. I didn't write that. I co-wrote it, and I wouldn't want anyone to think, because that is something that did come up early on a bit. Witnesses can't write. Larry's a very good writer, and he wrote his half of the book, more than half of the book, and I did the rest. And I'm very well, and Bud was involved a little bit, too. <laughs> I, I'm very proud of uh, the accomplishments. The Rendlesham Forest incident, which, as many of your listeners know, took place over three and possibly two nights consecutively between Christmas and New Year's 1980 in Suffolk, East Anglia, England, within the proximity of two highly secured NATO bases, was 30 years old on December, well, late December. Um, and I, along with Larry, along with two of the other key witnesses, uh, Charles Halt was invited, he declined. And another uh, investigator of the case, Linda Howe, um, also Nick Pope, was there specifically for questions and answers and not to speak. But there was a conference, and that was the place where um, Jim Penniston chose for the first time in public to talk about this so-called um, binary code. And that had I don't want to mischaracterize it. Um, it's Jim's story, and I, I wouldn't dream of you know, trying to interpret it for your audience, I still am having a problem grasping it. And that's not a reflection necessarily on the veracity of Jim's claims. It's, I am, in many ways, I, I'm just really so right-brained that I have problems wrapping myself around certain scientific constructs that are presented to me. Um, among them, this aspect of the story. Jim um, and John Burroughs, who he has been lecturing with on and off over the past years, sometimes with Charles Halt, and I will say, although I think um, Jim is now associated with, with Charles again, in December, both of them badmouthed Charles extensively from the stage. Uh, and then by March, when uh, they spoke at the International UFO Congress uh, in Phoenix, Jim was very much back in the groove. With I'll tell you what, we'll get into this particular issue and more with Peter Robbins. I'm Gene with Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Attention gardeners, this is an urgent GCN self-reliance update. GCN has just discovered a new bioactive superfood for garden plants, flowers, and herbs. It's called ProtoGrow, and it's so effective at producing rapid plant growth that it seems to almost force plants to grow like crazy under practically any soil and light conditions. Now, here's the best part for our listeners who garden for self-reliance. ProtoGrow's unique blend of sea nutrients maximizes mineral uptake and dramatically increases bloom set, creating maximum plant growth in minimum time. ProtoGrow works by providing geometric keys, which have the capacity to actually unlock the genetic code for nutritional uptake in plants. ProtoGrow's full-spectrum plant fertility means fruits and vegetables with extraordinary taste and up to 10 times the nutritional value. And if you want to double or triple the potency of herbs or wheatgrass, you can. If you want to grow nutritionalized superfoods with non-hybrids, it's now easy. GCN listeners who want to grow dirt-cheap superfoods should visit the ProtoGrow website at growlikecrazy.com. That's www.growlikecrazy.com or call 877-327-0365. That's 877-327-0365. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. You know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health, and most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of most alkaline minerals available. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins and acid, helping you to regain your energy and health. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body to rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen, and raises the pH of your body to optimal levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. 
Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We're back with Peter Robbins. Of course, he's co-author of Left at Eastgate with Larry Warren, founding member of the Intruders Foundation. You're listening to Gene and Chris. And on the Paracast, you were talking about... What is this, a falling out among the people who were involved in the Rendlesham case? Well, there's never been a falling in. Um, there's never been cohesion here. It's not a new phenomena. What's happened, in part, is that the events happened. Jim and John, who were involved on the first night, and as I recall, John on the second, stayed in the service for another 20-odd years. And as they have related it to us, only had each other to talk about it with, which had to be incredibly stressful. Larry Warren, my co-author, left the Air Force with a fully honorable discharge six months after the fact in May of 1981, in 82, um, suffering very much from what we would now say, oh yeah, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. felt a tremendous need to talk to somebody about this, and ultimately the first in UFO investigative person he was put in contact with was Larry Fawcett, uh, a name that will ring true to some of your listeners, uh, not active now, retired in Florida, and I hope he's well. Um, but Larry was at the time not just a respected UFO investigator, he was a police lieutenant in Coventry, Connecticut, and very adept at interviewing, etc., and he was the one who first drew, um, you know, did a full series of interviews with Warren. Although Linda Howe also uh, did a series of interviews with him before um, a year or so before we began to work together, Larry and I, that is. And the information that Larry gave to Larry Fawcett was then put into the form of a FOIA. And that was filed. And the next year, it resulted in the release of that single document that we refer to as the HALT document, his somewhat compressed, redacted report of the event written two weeks after the fact, but certainly, you know, the document, the only one we had for two decades or so that validated it on an official forum. I will also um, stress and reiterate here that the information was only gotten from Larry Warren, who essentially, and there's no nice word for it, he outed everybody that he remembered being involved with it. Now, Charles Halt has maintained on and off for many years that Larry wasn't even involved, that he just heard stuff and wanted to be involved as a wannabe and, um, you know, gets a kick out of being a UFO personality, please. I, I find that insulting. But The information was then sent, uh, the HALT document was then sent as a courtesy to uh, leading British UFO researcher Jenny Randalls, who shared it with a colleague who is an attorney as well as a UFO researcher, and his name is, I'll think of it, and he then turned around and sold it to the now defunct News of the World for X thousands of pounds, and when that story broke in October 82, Charles Halt's name was front and center. This, as he has said to me and Larry personally, to audiences and on television and other locations, very understandably, was not a good thing in his career or his private life. And when we were speaking at the same conference in 
Kansas in March, I told him from the stage that I was sorry that it had caused such a disruption and, you know, anxiety and anguish to his life. And that I was still very proud of my co-author and always would be for bringing this information out. Now, Larry Warren was left to kind of hang in the wind for X uh, amount of time, but he got to rage at the universe. He didn't have to shut up about it or decompressed uh, like Penniston and Burroughs. Charles Halt maintained from the start that Larry's word couldn't be trusted because he was meddled with. And you're familiar as readers of Left at Eastgate or you've heard John and Jim speak and you know these men were put through Disneyland on LSD kind of stuff starting the next night and what they were subjected to was unconscionable and they are all damaged from it. But Halt maintained for many years that Larry's statements could not be taken as credible because he had quote-unquote been meddled with. Well, they've all been meddled with. And John and Jim, my God, after hearing them speak about how they're dealing with this or trying to deal with it, my heart goes out to both of them. And if anything, they're more beat up about it than Larry. And poor guy has really had it for Especially John. I really feel kind of bad for him. Boy, talk about having to deal with, with something, you know, that you have absolutely no control with and you're, you're totally in reaction mode. Let me take it one step further. On that stage, and this was the best informed, most emotional audience I think I've ever spoken before in my life. We had close to 400 people, most of them local from Suffolk, who had grown up with this, with the major story of their life or half a dozen civilian witnesses in the audience from 30 years before, a handful of former military people, they knew the story as well as they could backwards and forwards, and they were irate at Jim when he made this announcement, why did you wait all these years, etc. Yeah. And when John Burroughs, I, I'll tell you, I mean, I will never forget this. Uh, question, John, is it true, as I've heard, that when you came upon the object in the woods, you pulled your service weapon and went into a two-handed stance? John, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it really happened or it's an implanted memory. John, I've heard that you jumped on the thing and it went like 10 meters with you on it. Is that true? John, I, I'm just not sure. I, it may have happened, but I don't, I can't say for sure. John, were you abducted? I don't know. For anybody who has ever seen the clips that both of these guys have courageously allowed to be shown at such conferences, and Linda has done, I think, a wonderful job in her presentations with right. and John. Her conversation with John is on dialogues and disclosure, <laughs> but yeah. I digress. I'll yeah. digress one other place. On June 21st, 2009, we had an episode of the PowerCast with Peter and John Burroughs, and John Burroughs was seated about five feet from me when we did that recording. Oh, okay, well, there you know. And John, I mean, you, he's a, to say he's a big guy is a joke. It's like saying I'm a, I'm a short guy, which I am. John has got to be, what, 6'5 or something? Right, he's, he's one of the few people guy. who towers over me. Linda, Linda look uh, diminutive. Yes, exactly. Sure. And John, I mean, you know, he looks haunted to me. I Again, my heart really goes yeah. out to the guy. He's had, like Larry and like Jim, as I understand it, and other men who I have been in touch with who have not given me permission to use their names, but I've certainly established were involved, anomalous associated health problems. Um, this burned the retinas of Larry's eyes and the Air Force medical forms to back that up are included in the book. This is not theoretical. These guys have been through the mill, but to watch John, this big guy, in hypnotic regression with his therapist trying to just draw away that last veil, so to say, 
he is terrified. And whatever happened there was absolutely, um, well, well it would be very frightening. Very frightening indeed. You bet. So, again, I... We we would need a, a full show, I guess. Um, there are. Well, what do you think? The binary code. I I mean, what what's up? With I don't that? I don't know what to think about it. I, I I just hope to God that it pans out in reality and in the public, you know, uh, in the public. Well, do you form. think that, that this is going to put you know a, a, a very dark shadow on the whole case, which is a one of one of the standout you know bedrock cases in ufology. Yes. You know, it, it kind of, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to belittle uh, the Rendlesham case by mentioning Stan Romanek and his supposed uh, formula, but it, it just it it seems to me that it's just giving a huge tanker full of gasoline for for the naysayers and the debunkers. The, the, I won't this, say that. This is the worst thing that could happen if it wasn't true. Well, I was going to say, um, I, I certainly will not prejudge it. I'm, I'm following the story as well as I can. I wish Jim well. I hope that this is something that can be established in scientific terms and no uncertain terms. But the potential to hurt perception of the larger picture would be there for sure if somebody uh, or individuals are able to establish that it is not credible in a way that we all accept. Yeah. It raises so many issues and we don't have much time to get into more of it, but we'll try to explore this in more detail. In the final segment, we have Peter Robbins, the co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. For 58 years, Fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary Fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to 
to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Hello friends, Alex Jones here. You all know I've worked for years with Steve Shank and eFoods Direct. I have eFoods for my own emergency food supply. You know, Steve, life is different now for all of us, isn't it? Very different. People are using this great food to survive the present hurricane season, and we've already had $40 billion worth of damage from floods, storms, quakes, and droughts. And that's just the first eight months of this year. Natural disasters are newsworthy, but only touch a few of us Americans. The huge issue of the Greatest Depression is on everyone's mind. The unemployment, the loss of homes, lost businesses, and skyrocketing food costs are hitting every American. So everyone needs food security. Folks, this month you will get free shipping on every food order from eFoods Direct. That's right. Every order gets free shipping starting September 6th. Get stocked up with the best storable foods out there with eFoods Direct and be prepared for any emergency before it happens. To take advantage of this special, call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene and Chris talking to Peter Robbins on the Paracast. Chris, any more questions about Rendlesham we should go into? Well, we have a a comment by Jerry Brett, who um, is in Alberta, Canada. He's a fairly recent sign-up on the forums, and he says, I agree with Fritz, who asked the previous question about the binary codes. Um, when I saw his pad with those O and I notepad scratchings page after page, I began to wonder of his credibility, or his source's alien's credibility. As a possible follow-up, when was Mr. Robbins aware of these notes, and do you think that there is any reason or basis for this information to be given to Penniston? As it, well, he says useless, uh, I, I say it appears to be useless without knowing what it means. Of course, if Fritz's question is answered by yes, they are turning into crackpots, <laughs> my question is moot. Now, you know, th- this is a follow-up question, but I, yes. I think you, you stated that, that when they, pre- when he presented this information at the conference, I think you said in Kansas, 
Uh, that was no, no, no. You. That was when I, I was on the same bill with Charles Hall. No, this was in in England in December. Oh, oh, oh in England. Anniversary, okay. uh, well, well, did you know about this beforehand, or? Whoa! Not only didn't I know, but I can. Uh, okay, say, so this like you were as as gobsmacked as they say as everybody else in the audience. Totally and completely. I learned about the basics, or it was being discussed in hour, two hours before the conference started by them, but. I will tell you, you know, it's one of those times where your, your question asked me when I learned. I learned about it late in the afternoon of December 28, 2010, in wow. the Woodbridge Community Hall in Suffolk, East Anglia, and, and was Hello. completely taken aback, completely taken aback. Wow. I didn't know what to think of it, and I still don't, frankly. I, again, I, hope, I wish Jim the best, and I hope it pans out. Okay, yeah, and and I, I think I can speak with Gene, uh, for Gene and say, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Okay, uh, you know, getting back to, you were talking about where we're going to go in the field of abduction research now that, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the pillar is gone. I mean, yeah, Bud's not here anymore. You mentioned that there are a few people out there that you think, uh, may be motivated enough to pick up the reins, but, Instead of focusing maybe on who's going to be taking the field forward, let's look at some of the things that we may have learned from uh, the state of abduction research to this point and looking at some of the, the you know, criticisms and, and other things, the, the, the things that take a huge body of work and, and try to make it inconsequential. Hmm. How are the new wave of abduction research is going to, you know, get over that debunker and and nasty skeptic uh, sort of hurdle. I mean, what lessons have we learned? Uh, what do you think that they need to really incorporate or or discard in the process to move this whole field forward? Well, good question. I think, number one, anybody that is involved in this work has to hold themselves to the highest standards possible because there is no governing board or, you know, academic uh, oversight committee. Uh, let's face it, in order to uh, qualify to um, be a ufologist, I believe the procedure is you touch your fingers. Okay, you well, well, we all know that, and this is a, a subject that comes up almost every other week here on the show. Hmm. I mean, they've got to be proactive, obviously. They've, they've hmm. got to be quick on their feet. They have to learn from their mistakes. Yes. Uh, you think that they should be public about this? Should it be totally uh, behind the scenes? I mean, let's cut to the chase here in our yeah. last well, I think, number one, when you make an error and you are called on it, it is incumbent on you not to do what the current crop of politicians often do and just tough it out. And, you know, that's a mark of a man never saying you're wrong. Uh, Phil Imbrogno, right? Uh, two years ago, I was, you know what? It was on your show with John Burroughs. Okay. You were, um, guys were throwing questions at me about left at Eastgate, and I'm trying to remember back to what I wrote 20 years before and what I said Going back to Jenny Randall's was Jenny had sold that document, the Holt document, to the News of the World, gotten a couple of thousand pounds, and that's how the story broke. Shortly after that, I heard from Jenny, who made it, well, through, um, it was, I think, through um, you, um, one way or the other. and you Right, exactly. We heard yes. from Jenny, and then we yes. forwarded that message to you. And you forwarded an email to me. What you had um, written on the top of it was, I think, quote, unquote, what are you going to do about this? And the letter from Jenny was appropriately irate. It was 
How Harris, I'll think of his first name, but it was a, a barrister named Harry Harris, yes, who was a colleague of hers who she gave a courtesy copy to, and he was the one who sold it to the News of the World. And I went back to Left mm. Gate, and I looked it up and was, oh, no. Well, what I did was I immediately emailed Jenny, and I apologized to her personally. And then I told her that for the next, I think, four or five months, Every time I did a radio show and in every public talk that I was doing, and it was a, I, I was packed with interviews in that half year and, and, and uh, conferences and talks, I would begin by apologizing to her and saying the specifics of how I had screwed up. That is what you can do to begin with. And I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, cop, you know, I, you know, was hoaxed. So I, one of the two hoaxes in almost 20 years of, of field investigation, I was hoaxed with a crystal skull in the San Luis Valley. Uh-huh. I had to cop up uh, to that, too. I mean, I never fully bought into it, and I made yeah. sure that I found out where that thing really came from. But but you, that's an important point. you got to cop in this to case, your mistakes. It, it, but we're talking about young, yeah. up-and-coming abduction yes. investigator and researchers here. That's something to always keep in mind. But what protocols, what uh, approaches, what I would begin, quite frankly, by, and I'm not kidding here, I would either begin to read or study ethics and proper scientific protocols. I'm not kidding. I would. No, I absolutely I agree with you there. And establish a very strict personal code of ethics that you can be held to to learn something about classical scientific methodology. For me. Right. Well, Peter, here's a suggestion. How about if they comb the woodwork and find a young, open minded, psychologist, you know, a professional mm-hmm. doctor to dovetail their investigative protocols and analysis of their cases Perfect. through a legitimate, you know, in terms of the eyes of the status quo, a legitimate, you know, doctor in, in the field of, of study. Uh, is that that's even a viable approach? Is that a pipe dream? No, not at all. In fact, among my circle of colleagues and advisors, if you will, is a, uh, a distinguished professor of anthropology uh, in Western New York at a college there, and yeah, but that's I, you, Peter. We're talking about the young, up-and-coming, well, seek uh, out and and women that are going to be taking this thing yes. forward. From, seek from out where... an academic. I'm. I have. Um. I, I live just outside of Ithaca, New York, most famous for Cornell University. There's a, uh, a professor of sociology who um, took my work so seriously that he kind of bypassed Cornell policy because they don't like hiring flying saucer speakers here at uh, this well, university. How does the young university. person approach? How does the young person approach? You could go to start with a teacher who you like and admire. How do you, how do you approach somebody in that potential position? Mm. Even even entertain that that is a possibility okay. uh, my question is i'm trying to help the, the the we need the i think abduction research is going to come to a real screeching halt here and you know something also agree. the show's going to come to a screeching halt <laughs> and i think this is an ongoing discussion because in the very near future okay. we're going and, to and you'll pay me just as much as this show yeah we'll have you back you got yes, it you got to uh, okay there we go chris is okay, writing the check go. right now Okay. It's written on. I'm starting the, to hold my breath. Right. Yeah, well, no. it's written on that new bang called "We Bounce Faster," and we'll let you know about that later. Please, P- I know it'll be in the mail for a uh, while. And Peter, where can our listeners find more of the things you do? Well, 
right now, I would say what was laughingly my website is under construction, but you can go to peterrobbinsinformation.com. Uh, hopefully, we will have something a lot more dynamic and new for you soon. And otherwise, you guys have my email address if people want to contact me. I'm not going to give it on the air, but if they contact you, uh, they are welcome to write to me. I'm on Facebook. Um, I, I try to respond to every request for information or contact that I get. Sometimes I do fall way behind, but I'm a public person and, you know, um, I'm out here. We can find you if we want to find you. Where do we find Chris O'Brien? Well, I'm a member of the the Peter Robbins fan club right now. Uh, I I really, Peter, I think you should be a reoccurring guest here a lot more often. Uh, I I enjoyed this show so much, and we've only scratched the surface. You can find what I do, Gene, at OurStrangePlanet.com. And a special thank you from Gene and Chris to Peter Robbins. Thanks for joining us this week on the Paracast. It's been a pleasure being on the show, and I'll be glad to return at any time we can schedule if that works for us all. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in... The Paracast. <laughs>